Let's pray. God, our Father, you have called us to a radical life of trusting you and of following your Christ and the obedience of the Holy Spirit. So help us now in these moments to consider our call, to count ourselves dead to sin and alive to you in Christ, and to take on his easy yoke under the discipline of your gentle and life-giving Holy Spirit. pray all these things in Christ's name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated, kids. If you haven't gone out with Carrie Beth, you're free to do so now. Well, good morning. We've had a wonderful last week here at Holy Cross. I didn't get the final tally, but I think we had upwards of 80 kids in the building running uh, all over the place. It was the wild, the wacky world of Water Week, the wild and wacky world of Water Week, lots of W's. Uh, we had upwards of 50 volunteers, so we just had a great week. And to top it all off, um, we'll have a baptism at the second service, so lots of water being splashed around this past week. <coughs> As we dive into our text this morning, I ask you to turn to the book of 1 Kings if you have your Bibles with you. It's page 301 in the Red Bibles. We're going to reflect this morning on how God radically and dramatically called Elisha into his service as a prophet. And our text gives us three stark images to focus on a cloak, a kiss, and a yoke, not an egg yolk, but an agricultural Y-O-K-E yolk. You might be saying, well, that's, that's great for Elisha, Colin, to have this dramatic call. Maybe you clergy up there have had something similar, but I've never experienced an encounter like that. I want to submit to you this morning, however... That if you are a baptized Christian, you have the same radical call on your life. The same essence. You will see that our life in Christ has even these same three elements found in Elisha's call. A cloak, a kiss, and a yoke. I pray that as we reflect this morning... We will go ever deeper into our own baptismal union with Christ and follow him ever closer, our prophet, our priest, our king. But before we dive in, one last qualifier. If there is no such thing as a radically free, all-loving, all-powerful God who calls men and women into fellowship with him and service in his kingdom, then the next 15 minutes will just seem like a fairy tale. But if there is a God, a God who is both king and friend, a God whose kingdom has broken in through the person and work of Jesus, whose loving rule will last forever and ever and ever, then heeding and attending to that God's call in Elisha's life and on our lives as well is worth our time and is of utmost concern to us this morning. So let's dive in. First Kings chapter 19. We'll start at verse 19. 
Firstly, a cloak. So he, Elijah, departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the twelve. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. What was this cloak? What is a, was it a, some kind of flamboyant colored garment? No, it was a, a rough and manly, hairy, woolly garment. It was the prophet's cloak. It was distinctive. We find in 2 Kings that Elijah could actually be recognized from a long distance because of his cloak. Probably fur, animal skin. And we know by Elijah's reputation that his cloak, his presence, carried with it a certain power. Elijah's reputation preceded him. And his cloak had a symbolic power that this was the prophet of Israel. And you don't mess with the prophet of Israel. He would stand toe-to-toe with kings. He would rebuke foreign kings and leaders and even go toe-to-toe with lesser false gods, demons, divinities, and come out victorious. The cloak and Elijah, the one who wore it, was nothing to be trifled with. And it was no small act then that as he passed by Elisha, who didn't seem to be expecting this, he was heavy at work, with 12 yoke of oxen, that's a lot of oxen to be dealing with, 24, When he threw his cloak on Elisha, there was no mistaking what was happening. The prophet who wore this cloak was passing the mantle to Elisha. And so Elisha would know very quickly, and his response indicates as such, that his old life as he knew it was effectively over. He was called to a new identity, a new reality that symbolically he would eventually put on when he put on the cloak. Now, the Old Testament, as well as the New, is fairly consistent on this metaphor of clothing or outerwear being indicative of something internally, of a reality inside as well. We read from the prophet Zechariah last week And one of the famous passages in Zechariah 3 is of Zechariah's vision of the high priest of Israel, Joshua, standing before the throne of God in what? In filthy garments. The high priest was the representative of Israel, of the nation, and he stood because of Israel's sin in filthy garments. Satan is said to be standing there accusing him standing before the throne with filthy garments being accused by Satan. And Zechariah's, in Zechariah's vision, he hears this from uh, the angel of the Lord, spoken to the high priest Joshua. Remove the filthy garments from him, for behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments catch that? The New Testament gospel writers and apostles certainly did, because this is a picture of the gospel, is it not? 
that in our sin we stand accused by Satan. We stand with filthy garments. And yet, if you are in Christ this morning, you are clothed with His righteousness. Well, as I said, we'll have a baptism later. It's traditional for baptismal candidates to wear white. It goes back to the early church. They'd be given a new white robe. Why? To signify that they are clothed anew. Not just externally, but inside too. Paul says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You see the garment analogy. When we come to faith in Christ, it's as if we put on His clothing, His righteousness. His reality becomes ours. The outward becomes our inward. If you are in Christ, you have put on Christ. You are not the same. You are a little Christ. Martin Luther famously put it this way. He called it the great exchange. Listen to his words. That is the mystery which is rich in divine grace to sinners, wherein by a wonderful exchange our sins are no longer ours but Christ's, and the righteousness of Christ not Christ's but ours. He has emptied himself of his righteousness that he might clothe us with it and fill us with it. And he has taken our evils upon himself that he might deliver us from them. In the same manner as he grieved and suffered in our sins and was confounded, in the same manner we rejoice and glory in his righteousness. Amen? Amen. So this morning, if you are in Christ, you have the cloak of Christ. And this is our call to belong to God. To be united to Him by faith and in baptism. And this deeply impacts our identity because it doesn't matter at the end of the day what you're feeling about yourself in this moment right now. You may be thinking positive thoughts about yourself or about your life or you may be thinking very shameful thoughts. But because you are in Christ, because you are clothed with His righteousness, when the Father sees you, He sees Christ. He sees you being made new and being remade into the image of Christ. So if our cloak in Christ affects our identity, this new identity entails a change internally. That means trusting God completely, which is at odds with idolatry or false belief, which brings us to our next point. So we have a cloak and now a kiss. A kiss, our call to trust God completely. Look at verse 20, the first part of verse 20 in chapter 19. And Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. Now, interestingly, the author of 1 Kings only uses the word kiss twice in the entire book of 1 Kings. Even more interestingly, those two occurrences happen within two verses of one another here in our passage. In verse 18, we hear of Israelites who profess Yahweh, and yet they want to make sure they keep all their bases covered, right? They want to make sure that they're not leaving anybody out so as to make their life successful or profitable or happy. And so we hear of Israelites 
again, professing Yahweh, but when called upon, bowing the knee to Baal, a fertility or an agricultural uh, deity, local deity. And what they would do is then there would be an image or an idol of Baal, and you would be called upon to kiss uh, the idol of, of Baal. And so when we hear of Elisha saying, I will follow you, but, well, let me do this first. The author wants us to key in on it and say, will Elisha effectively kiss another deity, that of tribal or family, before following the call of God? And we think this, this seems perfectly reasonable, perfectly understandable. Say goodbye to your family, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. But the question is, will Elisha have complete allegiance? Will he completely trust in God's call, or will he stay ultimately with his parents or have a split allegiance? Will Elijah give wholehearted devotion to God alone? And we need to ask the same question of ourselves. We've been given a new identity, a new reality, a new life in Christ. We need to ask, what are we kissing behind closed doors? Ask yourself this question. When you're tired, stressed out, and emotionally empty, where are you drawn to? Where is your heart longing to go to? The television or social media, Facebook feed, an idol of entertainment or escape? Is it food, drink, sex? Idol of pleasure or comfort? Where is your heart drawn to? If you've been called to a new life in Christ, we need to daily strive to crucify the flesh. We need to take a rigorous inventory of our hearts and ask, where might it hurt or just make me a little uncomfortable today if I were to trust and obey God unconditionally? What might I be holding behind my back, kissing behind closed doors? God calls us to a radical trust. And so do you trust Him that He has what is best for you in your life? In the gospel this morning, we hear Jesus' response to would-be followers. And on the face of it, it sounded kind of harsh, didn't it? I will follow you, Lord. He said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I don't have any place to lay my head. You sure you want to follow me? Let me go and kiss my father and mother first. No one who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is fit for the kingdom of God. Sounds harsh, right? If we were to be the ones saying it, but if this is the Lord of the universe, the one who created these individuals, who knows their hearts, Jesus knows what they need to hear. He knows that they need to ultimately release what is holding them back and trust him completely. And so the bottom line is we're called to an exclusive and comprehensive life of trusting God completely. The cloak speaks to our identity. The question of the kiss reveals our idolatry. Whom will we trust completely? And finally, we've had a cloak, a kiss, and now a yoke. A yoke. How will Elisha respond to God's call? How will he heed Elisha's dramatic 
throwing of his cloak, the passing of the mantle? Will he follow it half-heartedly or possibly not follow it at all? Let's see his response. Verse 21. And Elisha returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their, their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. So what did Elisha do? He had a bonfire. He had a party, a sacrifice of his old life, and he yoked himself to Elijah. Interestingly, that wordplay, he, he burned the old yokes. And we heard in Galatians that uh, Paul calling the Christians in Galatia, do not be slaves again to a yoke of slavery, right? The sins in our life that, that tie us to certain habits, to certain ways of being in the world. Paul says, be free of those, but don't just be free to do whatever you want. Be yoked to Christ. And so Elijah takes on an apprenticeship with Elisha. Elisha takes on an apprenticeship with Elijah. And Jesus then would echo these same words when he says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my, what? Yoke upon you. For it is, for I am gentle. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We then are called to burn the proverbial ships, to cross the Rubicon, to reckon ourselves dead to sin, to light it on fire, and to then take on the gentle and easy yoke of being an apprentice to Christ. Come take on the easy yoke of Christ under the discipline of the gentle Holy Spirit. Now, interestingly, in Elisha's case, he would follow Elijah, and Elijah would, uh, on multiple occasions, say, turn back. You don't want to follow me. But Elisha would keep following and keep following. Until ultimately, what happens to Elijah, if you know your Old Testament? He's taken up, right? And what's left? God takes him up in the chariots of fire, and what remains on the ground? His cloak. And it's... At that point, ultimately, that the office is transferred to Elisha when he takes on the mantle of Elijah after Elijah is taken up. Now he's called, and it's an effective call, and yet he is then tested. And the consummation, the completion of his call is not until Elijah is taken up. Well, y'all, Christ has been taken up in heaven. He's poured out his Holy Spirit, and now we're called to take up his mantle. Just as Elijah, Elisha picks up from the ground Elijah's cloak and takes on this office of prophet, we too are called to be little Christs in the world. We are called by the Father to a radical life of trusting and following Christ. So we need to ask, what's my identity? been made new. I've been given a new life in Christ through union with Him in baptism. What's my 
typical idolatry that I need to strive against and trust God completely with. We must kiss the old life of sin goodbye. What's my trajectory? Am I yoked to Christ? Am I following step by step under the, under the obedience of the Holy Spirit? We've been given a cloak, a righteousness with Christ. We've been called to kiss the old life of sin goodbye and follow in the powerful Holy Spirit in the way of Jesus under his gentle and easy yoke. Will you take up the mantle and follow Christ this morning? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.